Welcome to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with me, Shelley Fischel of Tomorrow's VA and Joe Brianti of JLB Support Solutions. In each episode, we'll chat about what we're up to and bring you fantastic interviews with guest experts, as well as our app of the month and top tips, all aimed at helping you to grow your VA business. So grab a cuppa, sit back and join us for a fun-filled hour. Welcome listeners to episode 15 of the podcast and we are having fun again. So as you know, we record these in a batch and then we top and tail them and my monitor is jumping around like no tomorrow. So it looks like I'm bobbing up and down if you're watching on YouTube. But anyway, let's, uh, it's because my monitor seems to be shaking. I've got no idea why that is. (laughs) But Joe, how are you doing this week? Yes, I'm doing really, really well. Um, Thinking about possibly doing some holiday planning and scheduling some time out, which I feel is really very important for refreshing the mind and just getting downtime. Yeah. And you're going to be away in August, aren't you? For a couple of years. Yes. I go out, you'll be away. Pardon? When this goes out, you'll be away, I think. Yes, um, and I should be able to listen to it on my phone while I'm tramping through the Yorkshire Dales and the Lake District. <laughs> That'd be fun. Well, we're not going away. We live in a sunny climate, as you know. We live in Israel. We live in a seaside resort. We, we have a, our apartment's on the fourth floor, and we have a front line to the sea view. So to be quite honest, whenever I'm in the front room or on the balcony, it does feel a bit like I'm permanently on holiday. Um, from a, an, and we have a swimming pool in our building, so I swim every morning. Um, so this morning I was down swimming at seven o'clock. I did my 40 lengths. Uh, no, not 40 lengths, 40 minutes. Um, it's not a full length pool, so I've got no idea how far I swam. So I decided I'd do it by time. So 40 minutes of almost uninterrupted swimming um, was really good. And it's, it's my aim to, to do two swims a day coming up with uh, I was just looking at see whether the lights go on in the pool outside and then maybe I can go down and last thing at night have a do another 20 or 30 lengths we'll see Um, but but that's the plan but we've been planning um, a very big holiday for two years time uh, when we reach wait for it our 40th wedding anniversary (gasps) not next year but the following year 2022 and i can't first of all the idea that i that 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 we've been married for 40 years is just kind of like woo where did that come from where did all that time go um but uh, our son our our, my young our youngest son uh was bored last week and decided to start looking at us getting together as a family in 2022 so listeners if you've been listening for a while you'll know that i've got three grown-up children and with each of them have children of their own so i have grandchildren and i have a daughter in america a son in the uk and a son here in israel so the last time we were all together all of us was last october when we moved here to israel and we had a family photo shoot done and it was great fun um, and in fact, we've hardly seen anybody much since we saw them. We saw the UK and the American ones in February, but then it was lockdown. 
So we are not sure when we're going to see them all again. So uh, we, we told Jonathan to go and talk to his siblings and let us know where we're going in 2022. Um, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll see, but it, it'll be everybody together, which will be just amazing. Just amazing. So. so hopefully, as well as some of that family time, you and David can um, tag on some travel time for yourselves into that trip of a lifetime. Yeah, well, we'll see. It depends where we're going uh, and, and, and everything else. And obviously, if, uh, if it's the whole family, not quite sure how much it's going to cost the bank of mum and dad. So oh, um, <laughs> the bank of mum and dad are financing it. <laughs> well, they're not financing it completely. We expect them all to pay towards it, but I suspect we'll end up helping out or paying for meals out or whatever it is. So, uh, but, but we've let the kids go and work out between them where they want to go, because obviously we've got our daughter coming from the States, which is a long way away, uh, one from Israel and one from England. So we've got to find somewhere that works for everybody. And, by then we'll have more we have two grandchildren due in the next within the next six to eight weeks so uh, so we'll have more grandchildren to accommodate as well so it'd have to be quite a big house I think that we it's going to be so exciting yeah so it's nice so to exciting. have something to look forward to because it yep. has been pretty grim on that point however yep. much we tell ourselves that we're fortunate that we're lucky that we live in a lovely place that you know, yeah. we're not, we haven't lost, thankfully lost our jobs. We can both carry on working and all the rest of it. And we count mm -hmm. our blessings for that every day. It's still pretty grim. So, yeah, yeah. It, you... it, it has been a, a very tough time. And it's, it's nice to think that we are coming out of this period of very intense, very difficult um, lockdown experience that, few of us have had any experience of previously and we can start looking forward to to travel and um the elements of normality that we took for granted before yeah yeah and i think that's important isn't it not to take things for granted going forward uh, but yeah. i'm sure we will i'm sure that once things get back to whatever the new normal 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 is then uh, we will still take things for granted because it's human nature. But talking of human nature, taking things for granted and planning big trips, the person that we have in our interview today is the marvellous Sarah Banks. And Sarah took out, uh, took, took out? Sarah, her husband and her little one took a year out and they travelled. Now, Sarah's a brilliant VA. She's very organised, as you would expect. And we're going to hear from Sarah when we had a chat, um, how she managed all of that, where they went and what they did. And it's a fascinating interview. So let's bring Sarah's interview in. See you in a minute. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants. And this week we've got the fabulous Sarah Banks with us. So welcome very much, Sarah, to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great. Now, listeners, I have to tell you, I've worked with Sarah. She's done some stuff for me around GDPR. I'm going to talk about GDPR in a broader sense a bit later on. But before we do that, perhaps you'd like to tell our listeners, Sarah, a bit about you, how you became a VA, what made you choose to do the bits that you chose to do, just so that we can get a rounded idea of what's out there and what's available. Yeah, so I never came from a traditional PA background, which is unusual, but not completely unusual. 
and um, there are a lot of us out there that didn't come from that so I'd worked in project management and administration for all of my career and um, had my second daughter went back to work after maternity leave three days a week and it was just a nightmare the whole juggling act of I'd got one in school one in nursery and I was drive to work each day and I was drive back it just did not work for us at all um, and it actually all came about a chance conversation that I had with a mum at school who had her own business and said I really wish I could find someone to help me for a few hours a week um, because I'm struggling with with kind of all the general admin stuff that I'm doing and I was like well I could do that and if she needs it there must be other people that need it and at that point I had no idea what I was going to actually offer <laughs> what I was going to do I was like well I could just do anything you know I, I pulled off one of these lists that you can google of services that a virtual assistant could do um, and back then this was six and a half years ago it was very Americanized. Um, the UK market was there because, you know, there are some fabulous people in the industry that have been around for 20 years, but it was very, very less known. And America was the big place where it was happening. So I pulled off this list um, and started to just put a few things out on my Facebook. Oh, I'm thinking of doing this. Da, 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 da. Um, and I got my first client four months later wow. and handed in my notice in at work another three months after that because work wanted me to stay to finish a project I was on. Um, still didn't really have much idea what I was going to be offering. It was whatever people came to me and said they needed. I was like, if I could do it, yeah, I can do that. It will be fine. <laughs> Over that kind of first 18 months, two years, I started to realise that there were things that I liked and things mm -hmm. that I didn't like. And the realisation came to me that actually I didn't have to do the things I didn't like anymore. Okay. I could just do what I enjoyed and for me that was the techie stuff so I do a lot of email marketing websites social media online customer service but also a lot of techie setup and training for people as well and then fell into specializing in GDPR for my sins almost and <laughs> um, then all of that kicked off so that was kind of how I've come about and what I do. I hope that kind of covers everything. No, that's, that's brilliant. It's really interesting. And I think what's a really important point there, I don't know what you think about this, Joe, but it's about finding the things that you like and doing the things that you, you love doing. Because yeah. if you do the things that you hate doing, you, you just don't do them as well, do you? It's one of the joys I've always found of being a VA. And, and Sarah and I have been in business quite similar length of time and we offer a similar sort of set of services um, and it, it's that joy of being able to say do you know what I don't do diary management so I am not going to do that but I know a man who can yeah. or you know yes I'll, I'd love to have a go at that part of your technical setup um, because it interests you to learn that kind of stuff um, so yeah it, it's it's uh, the freedom I think that gives you of choosing the type of work you do um, and I know you know from sort of conversations with Sarah it's the flexibility around when you work also you know and that's particularly important you know I know we're, we're recording this as we're coming out of lockdown and that's you know very important isn't it has lockdown been for you, Sarah? How have you managed and str or struggled or not struggled or whatever? 
it's been challenging at times but for me mainly it's been around my mental health that's been my biggest challenge during lockdown because I've struggled with the restrictions and not being able to go out and see people um I'm very lucky that my husband's a teacher so when he's been in school my children have been in school and when he's been at home he can teach them he's qualified to do that I'm not <laughs> so that's been good yeah work works have been affected as it has I'm sure for most of us you know I've, I've had some clients that have dropped hours but then I've picked up projects of people that are moving their businesses online which has been really good yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. so oh sorry Shelley no, no, I'm just going to, to ask I know with, with you saying you love your your days out I also know you love traveling and I also know that you did a really big sort of trip with your kids and you continued working. Um, what plans did you have to put in place for sort of things like data security or just being able to work that laptop lifestyle? I'd be really interested in hearing about that. Yeah, so I think I probably picked the wrong time to go traveling because it was in 2018 and it was two months after GDPR came in. So I think what I had to do was more than I'd have had to done had I have gone a year before, but yeah. equally was in really, really important. So um, for me, there was a lot of communication involved with clients. That was really important to make sure that they understood what I was doing, how they were going to be able to contact me and get hold of me because I may not have always been working UK hours, especially not when I was in New Zealand because yeah. I was asleep during the UK working hours. Um, but the big things for me were encryption of my laptop because I needed to be absolutely certain that should anything happen to it, and when you're travelling, there's always that risk, um, it would all of the data that was held in it would be safe and secure. I had to check with my insurance that they would cover me whilst I was working abroad. And then I had to put clauses into my contracts with my clients explaining that their data would be being processed in, so there was five countries in the end that we actually traveled to in all five of those countries so that they could then inform their clients if necessary, that their data may be processed in those countries. Cause although the systems that we were using were based within the EU as required by GDPR at the time, just me logging into a system for another country meant that data was then processed in that other country so there was a lot of work around the communications around that and the technical setup for that and then the key things were insurance making sure that I had people in the UK that could deal with any emergencies that came up so that was where my team came into place um, I had two members of my team checking my emails regularly during UK hours and and that key communication with clients how did they get in touch with me well email was the easiest way we also did WhatsApp. We did Zoom calls, but Zoom calls work really well because you've got the technology there. You just have to plan things in advance a little bit to make sure that you're both available at the same time. We've got, you know, dependent on the time zone that you're in at the time. But actually in terms of doing it when I was there and I was traveling, nothing really changed. Yeah. I would work a few hours in the morning and a few hours in the evening and then have my day doing whatever we were doing as a family. And I found that because I work roughly school hours anyway, so that's about four or five hours a day, I could fit that in really easily. And by working mornings and evenings, I was closer to UK times. Yeah. So people could generally always get hold of me. That's really, really interesting. So some useful tips there. Um, you know, I, I work abroad two, three times a year. We, we visit family in Italy and, and various other things. Um, and there's some useful tips there, I think, for others who are considering making that leap or taking that trip away and, and doing that. So 
what countries did you um, visit on your trip? I know you've mentioned New Zealand. Yes, yeah, so we went to Thailand, Malaysia, Australia, New Zealand and Singapore. Wow. wow. Gorgeous. That's <laughs> a nice trip. Very exotic. What was it like? I mean, what, was the, what were the places like? How did you find the culture and all the, all the differences? It's, it's very different. You know, you kind of, it, it amazed me. So Thailand, which we, we kind of see as not a third world country, but they are much more behind what we have in the Western world. Um, certain things were way behind what we have and other things were way in advance. So the broadband was one thing that really shocked me. So at home in my office, I get around about 22 meg on my broadband, which is okay. It's not brilliant. Thailand, I was getting 100 meg sitting in a beat cut on the coast wow. because <laughs> the way their infrastructure is. So they, whereas over here, all of our cabling is underground. So to put a new cable in, they've got to dig up the road. Thailand, everything's about six foot high on the street. Yeah. So yeah. they want to put a cable in, they just whack another cable up. It's yeah. brilliant. So yeah. that was interesting. Obviously, food, the culture, the way people live and work, it's all very different. But I think we kind of, because we were never in one place for a long period of time, we kind of did our own thing whilst experiencing what was going on around us. I think if we'd have been living in one place for a long period of time, we would have immersed ourselves much more in the culture. Yeah. But we were moving on quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say I recognise what you're saying about the broadband. I remember the first time I worked from um, France when we went on a ski holiday. I don't ski, but my husband and the kids went off skiing. I had better broadband 3,000 feet up in the Alps than I do in my home office here. And it was just amazing. I couldn't believe how quick, you know, web pages were loading and, and this kind of stuff when you were doing research. It was amazing, really amazing. So. It is incredible how other countries have, in a way, a better broadband infrastructure than we do. Um, and that must make things easier when you're working abroad. Yeah, definitely. And I think another thing that I found really interesting was that we camp a lot in the UK. And I really struggle with the signal when we're camping in the UK. I have to go to certain places where they've got fixed Wi-Fi because I can't get a phone signal. In New Zealand, we spent a month in a motorhome and we, we wild camped. We were in so many remote places and we bought a mobile Wi-Fi and we always had a signal on it. It was amazing. Yeah. It didn't matter yeah. the most remote corners of New Zealand. I could still get a signal to be able to connect to it and work. Wow. which just yeah it just blew my mind the fact that we had this but on the flip side in australia it was different um yeah we spent most of our time in tasmania and there were days where i couldn't get any mobile wi-fi which was then yeah. trying to, I had to go somewhere where i could actually get wi-fi in a cafe or something so it's it's very different and you expect that everyone's kind of in a similar position and um, particularly yeah. in australia which are very westernized and yeah. then not the same as in the far east but actually, the, there was huge discrepancies between what you could and couldn't get there as well. Yeah, that is, that is so interesting, isn't it, Shelley? Yeah. How do you find broadband over in Israel? Um, well, it's interesting. I mean, before we moved here, I, I get what you say about the time zone, Sarah, because I'm two hours different. And I'm all the time, I'm checking my calendar. Which hour is it? Is it in UK time or is it in my time? Get confused. But I totally get that. Um, so, so until we actually moved here, we've had our apartment here for 10 years, more, 12 years now. So we always had Wi-Fi in the apartment, but it was just Wi-Fi. And it was okay. But if both my husband and I were working, it, it, we, we realized we couldn't. And I work online all day long and I'm recording stuff, uploading, downloading, 
heavy stuff. Um, so we got a wired broadband connection and they've just bought fiber in here the last year or so, and it's not everywhere. So this is Startup Nation, Israel. Mm -hmm. It is the place that Startup Nation was, was written about. Um, High-tech hubs all over the show. Microsoft has got a huge two or three campuses here. IBM, of, you know, they're all here. Cisco, they're all here. Um, so in those areas, obviously, it's going to be amazing. Um, but if you live elsewhere, it's not so. And the fiber they've brought now to new buildings. So this is classed as a new building, although it's 12 years old. But it's got, it was built with the tracking and everything ready. Um, so if you're lucky enough to live in one of those, you can get the fiber. But if you live in a house in the middle of the street, you might not get it because they're not mm. going to dig up the pavements um to, to to put it in but i mean i have a very good connection here now so uh, i couldn't work otherwise and i i have a wired in connection i work off a wired connection not a wireless connection so uh, if it's interesting if i sit on my balcony looking at the sea on the wi-fi it's much slower than when i'm here in the office so sometimes ah, there you go me though <laughs> <laughs> There's lessons there for us all in, in, in broadband and, and connectivity. Yeah, I, th I think it's gradually, you know, it's become, you know, that you, we've all seen the, the Maslow's hierarchy, which yeah. has been updated for the modern world where internet is kind of like the biggest thing. Um, yeah. Because so much of our life, especially in these times, the last three months has shown where everything shifted online. I'm interested in you saying, Sarah, about working with people who are moving their business online. So that what types of businesses, are they in the training consulting space or are they in other areas? It's generally training, consulting and coaching. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause they're, they're naturally easy to move online. Yeah. Well, I'll say easy, you have to understand what you're doing, of course, yeah. um, but a lot easier to move online. You know, I, I also have some health and wellness clients that just cannot move online because they need that physical contact yeah. with their clients. Yeah. yeah. Is that coming back in the UK yet? Well, there's talk around that it's going to come early July. See, we're, we're mid-June now, but there's still no definite clarity on that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the date, uh, people local to me um, are talking about first week in July as possibly being open again. Um, and some others are talking about sort of mid-July. Yesterday, I was speaking to an acupuncturist um, and as of next week, uh, only her regular clients, she's going to start seeing them in person again with obviously PPE and all this kind of stuff going on. Um, and she's hoping to do new clients as of July at some point. But she said it's, a, it's an absolute minefield around, you know, which PPE and when you can go and all those kinds of things so she said there's lots of questions but that's kind of generally the feel we're getting here in London I don't know whether that sort of ties in with what you're feeling over there in Derbyshire Sarah yeah it's it's very similar here and um, there's so much confusion over what is and isn't going to be allowed certainly yeah. I don't know anyone that's saying that they're able to open up now yeah. um, so I don't I, I haven't obviously read the rules and regulations fully so I'm not quite sure how they can open up now or not or what what's around that um one of my clients is a newborn photographer and she reopened her studio this week 
with lots of different precautions in obviously it's very difficult in that role to wear a lot of PPE so she's had to kind of talk to parents about what safety measures she can put in but also say you know I can't do everything yeah that you know with these safety measures so that's been interesting but actually uptake has been really high for her people are really yeah. really cool to come in to the studio she's doing one session a day everything is steam cleaned afterwards for safety and um, masks are worn when required but yeah it's it's a minefield I think the, the things that people have got to comply with and for very very small one person businesses it's very difficult to actually implement these things yeah yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Here, everything has opened up here. Um, it's almost completely back to normal. It feels like normal. It's not, but it feels like it. Um, but you're supposed to wear a mask whenever you're out on the street. Um, most people do, um, most of the time. But then if you're walking along the promenade and there's nobody around, um, which I do, <laughs> I was at six o'clock this morning, I wasn't going to be walking with a mask on because it was, there was nobody there. So it was just me, so <laughs> that was easy. But, uh, but no, so if you go into supermarkets, you go into buildings, you have to have a mask on, your temperature's taken wherever you go. You know, I, I go to, I went to one shop, I went shopping yesterday, I was at a supermarket, and I went into another shop next door to the supermarket, so I had my temperature taken twice. <laughs> you know, so I, now I don't have a temperature. <laughs> but I, you know, it's, it's, it's necessary, it is what it is, it is what mm -hmm. it is. So what would you say, Sarah, to somebody who was thinking about, okay, so my kids are small, now's the opportunity before they go into full-time school, perhaps, or maybe they're going to do it in the summer holidays, maybe they're going to take six weeks out. And I mean, traveling now is probably not the best thing to be talking about, <laughs> but because they can't get there. But once things open up, people can start planning, and I'm sure people will want to get away, just because they can. So what, what sort of things should they think about before they do that? What, I mean, you, you mentioned some of them before, um, but where can they go for help? Where can they go for help? That's a, a tough one because there isn't really any clear places to go for help. I kind of just muddled through it and looked at what I should have set up for the UK and then, well, how would that then translate abroad? Um, I don't know if I can mention another business on here or not. Yes, pleasure. Yeah. So I, I've had all my contracts from Coffee Clatch and they've yeah. got that global contracts now as well. Yeah. So certainly for me, when we can travel again, I will be switching all my clients onto global contracts so that I know that we're covered wherever I work in the world. Making sure that your insurance will cover you. That's both your professional indemnity insurance, your public liability and any business insurance for your equipment because the last thing you want is to be the other side of the world, lose your laptop and then you can't work and you're not insured and you can't easily get a new one. Mm. Put contingency plans in place so that, again, if, if something was to happen to you or your equipment, you've got people in the UK that can go back to your clients and get things up and running for them quickly if necessary. And just kind of communicate, communicate, communicate. That is the biggest thing. Like when clients, clients are nervous about this, when they suddenly think you're not going to be in the UK, even though you work virtually and you may never actually see them in person, they suddenly get this little panic button <laughs> comes up and they go, but, but what if I need to speak to you? Okay, yeah, but that doesn't happen normally. <laughs> there's, there's no difference here. We might, if you need to speak to me urgently, it might need a little bit more planning. It might be a bit more difficult, but how often does that actually happen? It doesn't really. No. And I think you need a supportive family as well, because for me, when I was working 
mornings and evenings I then had to hand over all of the taking care of the children making breakfast quite often making tea to my husband which was fine and we'd already worked that out in advance yeah but you need to have an understanding and supportive family around you if you're going with a family because you're not always going to be able to be there at certain times of the day because you do need to work yeah and you mentioned you have a team I didn't know you had a team so how many of you in your team and, and do you divide responsibilities up I'm always interested in teamwork. I love teamwork. So I've got two others in my team at the moment. Um, I had more when I went traveling, but things have changed in the business since then. So two others in my team and it's generally so one of my team focuses, um, she's a specialist in Twitter. So all my clients that need Twitter support, they go to her and some of the social media work goes to her as well. Um, and she also supports me with my social media. And then my other team member she does all sorts for me. She's um, a fixed number of hours every month, either for me within my business, or she does work for my clients depending on where the need is. Because we all know being self-employed, some months are crazy busy and other months are really quiet. So we kind of vary what she does for me, depending on what I need. Oh, that's really good. It's, yeah, and, and um, did you always have the intention of working with a team? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think for new VAs coming into the industry, I think it's really useful for them to hear that that you can do that successfully, whether you set out with that intention or whether it creeps up on you later. Um, but it's interesting that you had that intention up front. Yeah, so I always thought I want a business that can grow, but that can also help other people that are in a similar position to me that want a better work-life balance to give work to them as well. So I had no idea at the start how I would do it or whether it was even possible. But as I started to get busier and I started to be asked to do things within a bigger contract for a client that weren't really my skill set, it was a case of it made sense to bring in other people that had those skills and to allow me to manage things and to support me. Because it's no good me saying to my clients, you need to outsource. If I'm sat here burning the midnight oil, doing everything myself, so I like to practice Absolutely. what I preach by doing that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. Do you outsource anything, Joe? Yeah, um, I am just in conversation with somebody to take over the bane of my life, social media. Um, uh, and they will also look at the Canva element. I know how to use it. Um, it's fairly straightforward. I loathe it. it it's just not... My brain just does not, uh, you know, give give me a template and I can stick a picture in and copy and paste words. But if you give me the blank page and I've got to look at what that looks like, no, you know, uh, I, I would much rather be given a, an empty kind of tech system and work out the configuration and build that from a blank page because that that fits in with the way my brain works. But, you know, when it comes to being given, let's say, a colour palette and somebody says, create me some social media, no, just no. <laughs> so um, that is that is on the cards. And I'm talking to somebody at the moment. Um, at the moment, she's kind of trying to juggle, you know, clients and, and homeschooling and that sort of thing. And I'm not quite in the right position for her to take that on yet. But that is definitely going to come in July. Um, I have also worked with other VAs where I've needed additional support for 
you know, clients as associates and to kind of help me with one-off tasks directly for my business. Um, you know, as Sarah says, it's, it's really important that we who've been around the block a little bit longer, if I can say that, Sarah, you know, help other people come along. And some of that might just be that, that associate work, which then gives them a reference point for getting their next client or their next associate, you know, and, and bring us all along. It's all about the collaboration rather than the, the competition element of the, the industry, which is really important to me. Yeah. That's what I love about the VA community, the collaboration, not competition mantra. I think it's so brilliant. And I think also I've always felt that certainly in my, my sphere, which is training, because I'm not a VA, I just train VAs. Well, one of the types of people I train are VAs. Um, it is that there's enough work out there for everybody. And not everybody suits everybody. No, so, absolutely. You know, not everybody's going to love me. Some people are really going to loathe me and think I'm rubbish, whereas other people will be my super fans. So yeah. you've got, you know, you've got to recognize that, that, that that's the case. And you, you work with the people that you enjoy working with as long as you can afford to. That's, the, that's also important as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's been fascinating. I've learned to load. Um, really interesting about the broadband in different countries um, yeah. and all the things. And um, perhaps there's a blog post there, Sarah, about what you should do if you want to travel. So, yeah, I need to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> something that you could do to have on your website because I'm sure other VAs would be looking for that. So, it would generate you some traffic. So um, that's, it's been really great. And, and, and also thank you for the work you did for me back at the beginning of GDPR as well. So that was very useful because as Joe said, my brain doesn't work that way. So it was <laughs> to give that to somebody else and, uh, and outsource that. I, I outsource various things, so uh, it's, it's always good. So uh, what's your next project? What's the next thing you want to do, Sarah? Uh, well, as a family, we want to go live abroad for a couple of years. So that's the next big thing for me. And then working out how the business fits around that. So it's very much the last year been about taking on clients and adjusting what I do for clients. So nothing is time dependent. Mm. So working to deadlines, not set hours. So that then when we go and do make that move abroad, I can continue to work as I do now for people. Mm. And where, where are you going to, um, or where do you plan to be for a couple of years? The Far East. So our top choices of countries are Thailand or Malaysia at the moment, but we're not ruling out Cambodia or Vietnam or Japan. So it's going to be a lot dependent on where my husband gets a job yeah, and what jobs are available, which yeah. is a little bit uncertain at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll have to learn the language. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting although we do plan to go to an international school in an expat community so maybe it is a little bit of a cop out there but I do want to make sure that we have some authentic experiences while we're there and yeah. work on learning the basics of the language wherever we end up yeah now I think the international schools are wherever you are I think that's sensible because you will go back to the UK and you want the children to be on a level when they get back although your husband can probably catch them up but um, but you do want that. But but yes, yeah, some local experience. Um, I I am bilingual. I speak Hebrew or Ivrit, which is the colloquial language. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think in it. I think numbers in it. Uh, I couldn't give you my Israeli telephone number in English. I have to say it to myself in Hebrew. Um, but I lived here as as a from the age of eleven to twenty one. 
Um, so your children will be really good at that. Um, it will come quite easily to them. So it's really, really good. Really it's good. also a really great learning experience for a child to, to have the opportunity to travel on an extended period or to even, you know, live and work, uh, uh, well, live abroad while a parent works abroad. It's so many opportunities for broadening their mind and, and learning. It's, it's an amazing opportunity. Oh, well, good luck with all of that. And once yes. again, thank you ever so much for being our guest. We'll let you know when, the, when this episode goes live. And, uh, and, and yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Love to see you both. Fantastic interview there, Joe, with Sarah Banks, all about her year off travel and the way that she was so organised. What jumped out for you? Really interesting. Some of the sort of thoughts around checking with your insurance, will you be covered? Um, protecting your equipment. What happens if you lose your laptop? If it gets broken, how do you manage the business continuity element? Um, and also the communication with your clients. Um, and also the other thing that really came through very strongly is Sarah has designed a business model that enables her to work around travel rather than being fixed at a desk from eight till three or nine till five or, or, or set UK times. Um, and that's obviously very important to consider if you're thinking about traveling. Yeah. And I think the point is what I'm finding fascinating as we start to go into some interviews with what I would call regular VAs yeah. um, as opposed to our known guest experts um, what I'm finding fascinating is how everybody in, in all the interviews we've done and we've got a load lined up for you listeners they are all different they all have different business models they'll have different requirements their reasons are different uh, and, and I'm finding all of that fascinating the, the amount of work that Sarah had to do before they even started to think about booking anything um, you know all the planning up front all the organizing working out what she needed and I was particularly fascinated about Wi-Fi you know Wi-Fi has yeah. become one of those things that we really take for granted and we need um, yeah. the idea of being in the middle of nowhere with no Wi-Fi I don't know if I could cope with that completely for very long but Sarah had to go and find somewhere to set up and work and also yeah. if you've got a young family and you're traveling and working your partner, husband, spouse, friend, whoever you're traveling with has to be on board with that as well because yeah. you have to share that logistics. So I thought all of that was quite amazing, which yeah. leads me into asking you about time management and about, as a VA, how you manage your time. So, so how, what do you do? How do you manage your time when you're working for clients or for your, your own stuff? Uh, because our businesses, as I've heard you say, and other people are clients of ours as well. So, yes. so how do you manage all of that, Joe? What do you do? So first, first of all, um, I'm an Outlook user. I'm a Microsoft user. So I block out chunks of time in my calendar. And those chunks of time will say client work or they will say networking or they will be for meetings. And I colour code them 
it's very easy then for me to look at my week on a Sunday or a Monday and think, what is the balance in my diary? How much is this, of this is client work? How much of this is my own business? Because that's a client. How much of this is networking? And how much of this is family time and uh, all of the other things that make up the important elements of my life and balancing that with a business. Um, and I just don't think I would manage, you know, without that kind of system. Um, I work in a way that is a blend of hourly rate and projects, but I tend more towards the project element. So um, I don't regularly use um, a time tracking tool, but my preferred tool is my hours. Um, there are a lot of others on the market that a lot of VAs will know. Um, but I find with a project, it's a fixed um, piece of work. So it doesn't matter whether it's one hour or 20 hours. It's a fixed piece of work. Yeah, that, that makes total sense because um, some projects, you know, it would take me 10 hours to do, but it might take you two. So, um, you know, and, and, and the client is paying for the peace of mind that the work's going to get done and it's going to be complete. So um, I totally get the idea of, of, a, of a project price. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a, a really great thing. I also time block. Um, and colour code my diary. Well, you would expect me to do that, wouldn't you? I mean, I do teach Outlook. Uh, and I, I, again, have different colours meaning different things. And I will batch time, batch block. So when I have some articles to write, like this week, I have some writing to do later in the week. So those are popped together. So that will be one to-do item on my calendar called writing. And in that Outlook appointment, I'll have written a list of the things I want to write about. So it's all in, in one place. Or I might use a OneNote notebook to keep notes uh, about what I want to use uh, and what I want to do. So uh, I think we're on the same page there with the way that we work. And, and our listeners may have different ways. And it would be great if you want to uh, comment on this podcast episode on the Facebook page and let us know what it is that you do to track your time. How do you manage your time we we'd love to know and um i think we waffled on for long enough and kept everybody's time for long enough and we it's about time to say goodbye for for this week's episode next week we've got a fantastic episode coming up another one they're all fantastic so if you want to get in touch i'm shelly at tomorrowsva.com joe is joe at jlbsolutions.co.uk and the website is at www.tomorrowsva.com podcast episodes. You can find the podcast there. There's a blog there with lots of interesting articles around Microsoft Office. Some are how-to, some are informative. So do hop over and take a look. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye for now. You've been listening to Virtually Amazing, the podcast for virtual assistants with Shelley Fischel and Joe Brianti. We look forward to seeing you or hearing you or you hearing us in the next episode, which is coming very soon.